welcome to another episode of Clean Talk. I'm your host, Brad Whitchurch, and we are coming to you live from the Seal Shield Studios in beautiful downtown, sunny Orlando, Florida. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time, and that means we're live with our special guest, Isis Lamphere. Isis is a board-certified infection preventionist at Moffitt Cancer Center. She has a Bachelor of Science and a Master's of Public Health in Epidemiology from the University of Florida, Go Gators. And uh, she currently works at Moffitt Cancer Center. Uh, she's also a freelance writer for Infection Control Today. Isis, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Clean Talk. Hi, Brad. Thank you so much for the introduction. I appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate you being on the show today. Of course, we know you're our cross-state neighbor uh, over there in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you're doing good work at Moffitt. We're going to get into that, all the uh, good work that Moffitt Cancer Center is doing. But let's talk a little bit about your background uh, first, Isis. So I understand you've, prior to Moffitt, have been in long-term care and you worked for the Department of Health. What can you tell our audience about your background? Yes. So I actually graduated during the pandemic. I was doing my master of public health and epidemiology at the University of Florida. And at the time they were deploying all of the students that were in public health to work at different county health departments. And I got to work in Naples um, and help with the COVID-19 pandemic efforts there. So I started off in infection control first at the county health department level. And then um, I moved back home to Tampa, Florida, and I started working at a long-term care facility. Um, that was very exciting to see how infection prevention plays a part um, in those patients, especially because they um, are susceptible to infections um, because of their age and also some of them are immunocompromised. And then almost two years ago, I started working at Moffitt Cancer Center and I've been an infection preventionist here. And we have a team of about eight individuals and we work together um, to try to prevent infections in all of our patients. Well, I want to talk about Moffitt, but uh, first, mm -hmm. I'm curious about your experiences in long-term care, especially mm -hmm. during the COVID pandemic. Of course, a lot of publicity around the challenges in long-term care during mm -hmm. the COVID pandemic, in fact, resulting in some earmark funding specific for infection prevention in long-term care. What can you tell us about that experience, uh, really kind of starting your infection preventionist career in long-term care during a pandemic? Yeah, so there were a lot of changes that came to long-term care. One of them was that CMS um, made a regulation where there needed to be at least one part-time infection preventionist in every single facility, and they did have to be on site. Um, so we saw a need for infection preventionists during the pandemic. And um, honestly, they I think an infection preventionist would have always been useful in uh, um, a long-term care facility, especially because those patients are susceptible to infections. And um, infection preventionists play a vital role in um, preventing any antibiotic resistance as well. And a lot of patients in long-term care facilities um, are prescribed many antibiotics. Um, so it was beneficial that the pandemic saw the need for infection preventionists in new roles, including long-term care facilities. So I'm really thankful that I had that opportunity as an infection preventionist. Well, thank you for sharing that experience with us and uh, maybe a drop in the bucket on the funding side, but every little bit helps. Mm -hmm. And uh, very curious to hear how that differs from your cur current experience. Of course, Moffitt Cancer Center doing great work over there, but it has to be a little bit of a different environment being an infection preventionist at a cancer center versus being an infection preventionist at a long-term care facility. What can you tell us about that? 
Mm -hmm. So at the long-term care facility, I was the only infection preventionist for 117 patient beds. And now at Moffitt, I work in a team and we have multiple inpatient units. We also have multiple outpatient clinics, different ancillary services like therapy, bronch, respiratory. Um, so the field has definitely expanded, especially because we have um, ORs at Moffitt. We have serial processing. Um, so the field has definitely expanded and it's become a little bit more specialized too, because you really need to know about every single nook and cranny in the hospital and infection preventionists plays a role um, in every single department at the hospital. And there's more um, departments in a hospital compared to a long-term care facility that infection preventionists help. So more focus, some more resources, but mm -hmm. but more uh, responsibility, right? Yes, correct. More responsibility. Mm -hmm. Well, um, of course, I'm very familiar with Moffitt Cancer Center and the good work you do over there, but maybe you can share with our audience a little bit about Moffitt. Mm -hmm. So Moffitt Cancer Center is the only NCI-designated comprehensive cancer center in the state of Florida. Um, every year, we receive about 450,000 outpatient visits. So we see a lot of patients and we have a couple different campuses. Right now, I'm at our main campus, which is known as Magnolia Campus, which is on USF campus. We also have a McKinley campus. Um, we have one at International Plaza, um, a Wesley Chapel one, and we are looking to expanding in the future. And we provide both inpatient and outpatient services for cancer patients. Fantastic. And uh, by the way, Isis, we periodically may get questions throughout the show. We do mm -hmm. have a question that has come in from Scott Fillion. And Scott asks, being one of a team, how do you focus on a do you focus on a specific set of pathogens or a certain area of the hospital? I think you talked about all the responsibilities. How do you divide up the team? Yeah, so our team does have different assignments. And um, we cover those areas. So a little bit about my assignments. It's uh, I have three inpatient units that I help cover. I have a couple of clinics. Um, I help with the pick team at Moffitt, the uh, the team that helps insert pick lines for our patients. I'm also the CAUTI chair for Moffitt. So I help lead the team for all CAUTI prevention efforts. I'm also the infection preventionist for sterile processing department and a few areas at Moffitt, such as bronchial respiratory and thoracic sarcoma. So we help divide the hospital since it's so large. Um, and then we also help each other if we need any help regarding our areas too, um, and just ask each other for feedback um, and just um, truly rely on each other for help because it is sometimes difficult um, covering such a large area, but we do help each other with everything that we need. Well, you mentioned that you're the Cotty uh, chair, the uh, the chair of the Cotty committee. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, about urinary tract infections, and some of the trends you've seen uh, there, and and maybe in some of the other uh, HAIs within the facility. Certainly, we've uh, read reports that after years of improving on our HAIs. As a result of COVID, we've seen a rise in a number of HAIs and uh, certainly bloodline and uh, urinary tract infections among them. What can you tell us about the trends you're seeing specifically to CAUTI? Mm -hmm. So for the CAUTI chair, um, we're a group of individuals um, in infection prevention, nursing, and some other departments. Um, we even have a um, physician champion that meet every monthly uh, or sorry, on a monthly basis in order to um, look at our current data and also um, come up with some new prevention efforts, um, maybe review our policies or review our current products. Um, so that's what we do in the CAUTI committee. And um, yes, you are correct that as a result 
um, or during the pandemic, we did see an increase in caudi, clabsies, respiratory infections, and fungal infections. Um, and sometimes that, that increase in infections has been attributed um, because we were focused on the COVID-19 pandemic efforts, um, some of our basics in caudi and clapsy prevention um, were um, sometimes forgotten on the back burner, like hand hygiene um, and line wipes, um, assuring proper dressings as well for central lines. Um, so th that was one of the main or reasons that were attributed to those increase in infections, because unfortunately, because we are focusing on COVID-19, um, we did sometimes miss some of those main prevention efforts to prevent those HAIs. Right. And uh, it really does come down to following the best practice processes, right? And you mentioned that you, in your role on the CAUTI committee, you're looking at new solutions. How mm -hmm. much of your efforts to reduce CAUTI uh, infections comes down to new methods, new technologies, and how much of it is just uh, managing the best practices and protocols and workflows. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the approach that you take to reduce those infections? Yeah, so new approaches, I would say, is about 10 to 15%, but there's nothing better than the basics. There's nothing better than hand hygiene, um, proper Foley care, proper central line care. Um, those have been the basics, and I think those will always remain the basics for prevention efforts. And one thing that we like to do is we're constantly looking at the literature, looking for updated literature to see if there's anything that we can do um, to further prevent those infections. Um, so for example, one thing um, that I focused on recently was bringing a new external catheter to, um, to Moffitt, and that was done through the CAUTI committee um, because we know that through external catheters, we're reducing our risk for CAUTIs because um, CAUTIs can only be attributed to those indwelling foleys. Um, so external catheters were beneficial for reducing our CAUTI rates as well. Um, so I helped bring in a new female external catheter recently. I love that. I love being able to apply innovation to improve even upon the tried and true methods and processes. Um, we haven't won the war yet, so we always mm -hmm. have to be trying uh, new solutions. I tell you, Isis, I think uh, you have a fan club here. Scott Fillion sends in mm -hmm. another question for mm -hmm. you. He says, do you attribute any of the increase in the fungal infections to mask use? Mm -hmm. So um, this is something that has been um, kind of online recently and also in the literature. Um, so not fungal lung infections, but superficial infections, they can sometimes be attributed to mask usage if you're not wearing a clean mask every time and also prolonged use or extended use of mask um, or reusing. Um, so it's important to always put on a clean mask because yes, um, there can be superficial infections um, related to yeast growing um, due to mask because you do have that hot, warm environment when you're wearing a mask, um, specifically with cloth mask. So it's always important to have a nice clean mask as well to um, prevent any of the um, any yeast from growing um, from on your skin. Um, so we did see that happen. And we also did see um, candida or outbreaks as well um, nationally because of extended use of PPE, specifically wearing gowns 
or um, overlapping PPE, such as wearing multiple layers of gloves or gowns because um, individuals were scared of acquiring COVID. So um, we were uh, seeing individuals overlapping and reusing their PPE um, and going into isolation room or not going into or wearing their isolation gear um, and spreading candida that way. Um, I did see a couple articles online regarding that. So we did see some um, outbreaks related to extended use of PP. Well, mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of us have mask discussion fatigue, so I don't mm-hmm. want to dive too deep into the mask yeah. issue, but I'm so glad you said this. Isn't it just common sense? If you wear a mask, wear a clean mask. Yes. Right? <laughs> and the same with gowns too. That's what was happening. People were spraying gowns to cleaning for cleaning them or just reusing the same gown. And part of that was also attributed because of um, supply shortages as well. Um, And that's where they saw candida oris being spread um, because it was an ideal environment for candida to grow with moisture um, and reusing those gowns. And so there were a few outbreaks um, in the United States attributed to re-wearing that PPE during the pandemic. Right. And some publicity on that. What was the solution? Was it the supply chain um, loosening up or did you have to come up with new procedures for how you handle PPE? Um, the Well, when I was reading those articles about the other facilities, the number one way to prevent candida was hand washing, which was something that was being missed, um, especially when going to those pandemic rooms um, when staff were in a hurry. Um, but in order to combat those issues, um, we at first here at Moffitt, um, we were um, we were autoclaving our N95 mask, um, which some facilities did as well. Um, and luckily those supply issues did eventually get fixed. Um, and then we changed it back to one N95 mask um, a day just to make sure that we are wearing clean N95 mask. And we remind our staff every day um, to don a new one, or if it becomes soiled throughout the day to don a new, pe- uh, new N95 mask. Now, do you have a method for disinfecting the mask or is is it absolutely disposable? We know that during the pandemic, uh, some facilities were using off-label applications for UV disinfection to try and repurpose uh, PPE, including masks. Did Moffitt have to go down that road at all? or is it- Yes, they were doing that. Um, but the best way is just to get a new mask, especially because they are single use. And we, there are also reusable N95 masks that we also have here at Moffitt. And they have cartridges um, that and they're to be replaced every six months, those air filters. So we also do have reusable masks as well. And we clean those masks with a hydrogen peroxide disinfectant. Mm-hmm. And those and- are called elastomeric N95 masks. 